This program is not censored. Consider yourself warned. Lights, camera, action. When a script is written that is so bad that no one will film it, two men will bring it to life just so they can mock it. This is Table Reads. So the movie's a good part, which means your script ain't worth the buffalo shit on a nickel. Table Reads. With Sean McBee and Trevor Thompson. Yeah, buddy. I still think that's the best free music ever. Yeah, you gotta give, give credit to YouTube, man. They have a pretty uh, pretty good library. And they, you know, there are some you gotta watch, though, because there's some that you have to, like, give, give credit to the guy. You gonna open your script? I wasn't going to, actually. I was going to ponder the meaning of life. Here I am pondering. Yes. <clears throat> so, I'll do a little backstory. Uh, this is going to be another... Oh, shit. Okay. I got to plug your your laptop in. Hold on. What happened? My laptop is not plugged in. We're doing a script called H2O, and it's by Unknown. I think it's by me. I think it's by Sean, Sean says. Okay, so... It's called H2O. I worked for many years at a movie theater called the Hollywood 20 in Sarasota, Florida. And uh, we call it H2O for short. H for Hollywood and 2O for 20. Yeah, we were clever. Um, And this is a script that I found that I really think that I wrote. But having, like, gone through it briefly, I have no recollection of it, of the actual contents of it. Um, so you don't even know what it's about. Well, it's only four pages because it's incomplete. It's about four pages. Uh, so it's not about anything yet. Uh, it was meant to be sort of a, uh, and I, I, I can say this because though I don't recall actually writing it, I remember having plans to write such a movie. Um, basically, the idea was clerks at a movie theater. You know, like, yeah. just, hey, Crazy stuff happens at the theater. Let's write about it. <laughs> it was a workplace comedy. Yeah. Following clerks, everyone thought that their workplace yeah. was the funniest workplace. And only Rob McKittrick managed to make a movie out of it. Yeah. Two, actually. Waiting. Well, technically, he didn't make the second one. Yes, waiting. And nobody saw it, so who cares? Fine, yeah. Barely anybody saw the first one. It wasn't that great. It's amazing it got a sequel, actually, because of... Direct-to-video sequel. Anyway. So, um... Good for Rob. So, he was from Sarasota as well. Yeah, we we sort of knew him. So, uh, yeah, uh, this is going to be one of those quick reads. Is that what we're calling it? What did we decide to call speed reads? (laughs) Speed reads. It's going to be a speed read. Yes. Uh, The last speed read we tried ended up being a whole episode, so not a speed read. Oops. Uh, this one's only four pages, though, um, and it's not something that we ever filmed. So well, we don't you know have what? It counts, as a, it counts as a speed read because it was only one episode. Usually we get like six episodes. Out yeah, of the but we've, we've had other single. Uh, the, the speed reads are for like quick things that I'm posting just to have something to post. Right. Uh, when we don't 
have ch have a chance to actually get in and read something. So I'm, I'm talking like a five, 10, 15 minute, half hour maybe script, um, which is what this is probably gonna end up being unless we talk way too much. Fade in. Interior, projection booth, night. A figure walks down a long dark hall. Facial features <clears throat> briefly lit as the figure walks under the infrequent lights that shine in single spots from the ceiling each giving illumination to a small circle of floor. That definitely sounds like me. Yep. That's pretentious and shit. <laughs> it's one thing that, you know, we, we, we had different ways of writing the direction wrong. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I remember when we read uh, Urban Folktale, I, right in the beginning, uh, I had something about a dumpster with tiny scraps of slime-covered paper struggling to reach freedom <laughs> or something like that. Oh, my God. Uh, uh, but, yeah, basically there's spotlights that spotlights. shine down in spots in an otherwise dark hallway. That's what's going on here. I'm, Spielberg would have loved this. I'm exactly describing the projection booth of the Hollywood 20. Yeah. He approaches a workbench covered in trailers and bits of film, splicers and dirty rags. He turns on a small radio. The music of Liberace sounds along the booth speakers. I don't know what why the fuck radio I station? would say Liberace. What fucking station? We did always play music in the booth, yeah. um, but it was never Liberace. It was like rock and shit, yeah. like real music. I Sorry, my, Liberace. I wish my brother George was here. Uh, he begins to thread up the makeup pattern of a professional projectionist. That doesn't sound like me. As the film slides quickly through the air, his finger gets sliced. He and that does sound like me because I was obsessed with film cuts. That shit hurts ten times worse than a paper, paper cut. cut. Yeah. Uh, he inspects the finger carefully and turns to look suspiciously off screen. As he looks in one direction, a man comes up right behind him from the other, standing a mere few inches away. Working late? The figure gives a startled jump and whirls on his laughing prankster friend. See, I did this shit all the time. I definitely wrote this. <laughs> well, I don't think I would have written a fucking script about the Hollywood 20 projection booth. Well, I thought it might have been Jimmy or maybe even uh, Lori. Yeah, um, Lori. But I don't, I don't think so. I think it's me. And uh, if it is Lori, who... Better listen to this podcast every week, bitch. Uh, she lives, I mean, she otherwise. Lives, she lives in Portland. This podcast is too tame for anything she encounters. Mm. Um, but anyway, if, if this is your script, Lori, I'm sorry that we're mocking it, uh, but I, I think I wrote it, so I don't know that I'm doing you, doing you wrong. Plus, if it's bad, we mock it. It doesn't matter who fucking wrote it. Well, we like to have permission unless the person is famous. Do we? Okay. Um... Well, you told me we couldn't do Phil's script. Well, you know what? I'm starting to change my mind on that. Good. Because I can't find Phil. That's his fault. Anyway. <laughs> How do you not find him? You could probably see him from Google Maps. Oh. <laughs> the big oh, guy. He's, he's, he's uh, probably smaller than me, actually. <laughs> I'm, yes. I'm probably bigger than he was then. Absolutely. Um, okay. Uh, the figure gives a startled jump and whirls on his laughing prankster friend. Jesus Christ, Thomas. You know what's creepy up here? Ass. The least you could do is jingle some keys. You newly trained projectionists get scared if you hear yourself breathe too loud. You really need to lighten up, Steve. 
Eat a dick, you pseudo-intellectual quasi-European wannabe Republican. I love that. That believable dialogue. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Eat a dick, huh? Yeah, I wrote this. Real nice, Steve. I never pretended to be nice, but I do come in on time and work the duration of my shift. Can you say that? Buy a sandwich. You want a, you want tuna fish or peanut butter? Well, that depends. How long is it going to take you to make them? Wait. Let me guess. I'll be running the shows and you'll be making sandwiches. Am I close? What's with all this pen of hostility? Hold on a second. 150% I wrote this. Yeah, why? Because Rich, the projection manager, would make tuna fish fucking sandwiches. Like, hey, run the shows. I gotta eat lunch. (laughs) (laughs) This is... uh, I miss Rich. I saw him recently. Ow. I was in Florida. That's right, yeah. Yeah, so... uh, yeah, I, I did write this. <laughs> Absolutely. I have no recollection of it, but I can recognize me getting out my frustrations. Brought you a sandwich. You want tuna fish or peanut butter? We're way past oh, that. We're past that. I'm sorry. What's all this pent up hostility? Of course, you'll be running the shows. I'm useless. You did teach me how to use a flathead screwdriver. That alone makes you worth $400 a week. Oh, and by the way, management was looking for you earlier. Since you weren't here, I told them your ass was exploding in the bathroom and you'd probably be indisposed for a while. Interior, customer service, night. The general manager rapidly consumes several strips of beef jerky (laughs) (laughs) and begins scribbling on a legal pad. I got to do her voice, by the way. I was going to say there's no way I'm doing it. Old Nancy Grundy, Mm -hmm. who is not named that in this. Behind her, a small dog paces. (laughs) Three teenage girls walk past where an usher should be standing to take to tear their tickets. Where the fuck are the doormen? (laughs) Girls! Girls! This is a real person. (laughs) This is (laughs) is totally how this person talks to. Come here, let me rip your tickets. She's always out of breath. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. Come here and let me rip your tickets. I'm sorry about that. I don't know what the fuck is going on. She picks up a walkie-talkie. Cut to... She she says fuck in front of the customers? Not really. Okay. Janice does, though. I was going to say, I don't don't think Nancy would have ever cussed Oh, I didn't say what her name was. It's Janice. Yeah, Janice. Uh, She picks up a walkie-talkie. Cut to interior theater number 14. Mike, a pale-faced adolescent doorman wearing the standard company uniform, hurriedly sweeps popcorn kernels from the floor. He notices candy stuck to the floor. As he bends to scrape it up, his walkie-talkie falls from his pants pocket to the ground. Janice warbled through the walkie-talkie. Steve! His time has finished exploding... <laughs> it's actually a funny line. Steve! His time has finished exploding his ass yet? I need one of you to come down here and rip tickets. God damn it! My doorman is missing and my concessionist isn't wearing a tie. <laughs> Kane, without a uniform, picks up cups and popcorn bags in the last row. Dude, that's not cool. She yells at us when we wear over when we swear over the do- oh, I'm sorry. Dude, that's not cool. She yells at us when we swear over the walkies. Mike merely shrugs. Interior, customer service. Janice puts her dog, Wookie, in her lap as her walkie-talkie squawks a response. Her dog's name was Ola, by the way. But I like Wookie. Why not? Wookie-talkie. Thomas, over the walkie-talkie. Wait, uh, you were Thomas. What do you need, Janice? Oh, I'm sorry. What do you need, Janice? She picks the walkie-talkie up. 
I need you to send one of your guys down here to help clean, please. Interior, projection booth. Thomas rolls his eyes and gives Steve a knowing look. He lifts the walkie to his mouth. Cut to interior, theater number 14, favoring Mike. Mike lifts his walkie-talkie to his mouth, favoring Kane. Kane, his back to Mike and his arms nearly full with half-empty cups, lifts his walkie to his mouth. What's going on? Cut to interior customer service. Wookie jumps as a loud burst of static comes over the walkie. Janice attempts to calm the now yipping dog as she once again speaks into the walkie. What was that, please? She would always say please at the end of her, at the end of her <laughs> no matter what she said. It was her over and out? <laughs> Pretty much. She was like, uh, what's going on, please? <laughs> what was that, please? Uh, did I have a voice for... Oh, yeah. Kane is already helping... The, um, Kane's already down over, helping over Mike. The, over the mic. Oh, over the walkie. Kane's already down helping Mike. Janice noticeably slumps. <laughs> Interior. Customer service. Later. Janice is at the podium tearing tickets and muttering after each group of customers is out of earshot. <laughs> Cut to... Interior. Theater hallway. Six people in theater uniforms stand in the hallway, some holding brooms, none of them using them. They chat jovially and laugh frequently. Mike and Kane enter the hallway from Theater 14, both carrying full trash bags. Oh, you were Kane. Oh. Dude, what the fuck? See, Kane. Hmm. Mike and the six ushers stare at Kane blankly. Isn't there something you should be doing? Look, there's popcorn on the floor. Right there. Look. Mike and the six ushers stare at Kane blankly. Dude, fuck this. Six of you can clean 20 theaters. I'm going upstairs. Tell Janice to leave me the fuck alone. Interior, projection booth, moments later. Why are there three projectionists? There were always two of us at the max. Now there's only zero. There's only zero, which is part of the reason that Office Christmas Party started (laughs) when we went to see Grogue One the other day. That's right. Okay, last scene. Uh, <clears throat> interior projection booth. Moments later, Kane finds Steve and Thomas bowling with trailers. <laughs> <laughs> he is almost tripped by the heavy onslaught of film carnage rolling toward him. Damn it! The last thing I need from you guys is a broken is to break my leg. Why? You would still do the same amount of work you always do, just slower. The end. <laughs> <laughs> that is where I stopped writing. Wait, that actually is the end. Hang on. Good night, folks. The end. the uh what was the supposed uh inspir- was there an actual story that was going to unfold there or is it just like I, I don't think i worked out a story i think i just was starting to write some ideas yeah um that uh that's always been my downfall is i never had an overall story i just sort of would start writing and hope that a script came out of me actually well that's not the case with uh, urban with urban we actually did yeah well figure out the 
But, you know, I've got so many unfinished things, that's what ends up happening is I would just, like, stall out. That's what a lot of people... Because I didn't plan anything. That's what a lot of people do is they, they, you know, they write a few scenes that they, you know, to kind of get the feel for it and the tone, and, and then they figure out... That, you know, kind of brings out who the characters are, and then you go, okay, now I have a few disparate ideas and places and things, and I can map out a story from that which is kind of what we did because with Urban Folktale we had already worked out who the characters were and we had a few scenes that we wanted to do I gotta say though that wasn't a terrible script <sighs> what this one? yeah oh at least said Urban no <laughs> <laughs> I mean it didn't go anywhere it was only four pages yeah. but uh, dialogue wasn't terrible yeah I mean some of it was terrible yeah like that first line about some wannabe Republican thing or whatever yeah but uh, overall, it was... Uh, it's all right, yeah. There was actually one, like, genuinely funny line that I've already forgotten. Oh. <laughs> has his ass finished... Expl- or has he finished exploding his ass yet? <laughs> has his ass finished exploding? Yeah. Um. And man, I didn't realize I was going to get to <laughs> perform Nancy on this show. I love that. <laughs> she, you know, I, I wonder... I wonder what time frame you would have written this because the only other thing that I know of that we wrote that involved a projectionist was the Ghostbusters script. Yeah, this would have been probably around-ish the same time. Like, sort of when I first became a projectionist, probably 99, 2000, 2001. Mm-hmm. Um, I became a projectionist in 98. Really? Was it that quickly after high school? Yeah, yeah. Um, I was only working downstairs for about four months. You know, that was back when, you know, you could become a projectionist relatively quickly. Well, not me. Why not um, you? No, actually, uh, it took... When I, when I first asked about being a projectionist, they said, if you work your ass off for, like, maybe a year and a half, then maybe you can work up there. Um, but I worked my ass off really hard. Right. And I let it be known to Rich that I was friends with Kurt. Oh, that's right, yeah. Because um, Rich... Kurt had kind of gotten up there on a... Rich actually, when I was first hired, went to Francis, who hired me, and was like, why the fuck did you hire that kid? Wait, Kurt did that? No, Rich did. Oh. That was that like... Four months later, he hired me to be in the booth, which was super exclusive at that point. <laughs> but... When I was first hired, he was like, why the fuck did you hire that kid? Because he remembered me from the high school days at the crossings when I wore the spooge vest with all the movie buttons all over it yeah. and was always bugging people for buttons and posters. And by the way, this is called it's called the spooge vest, not because he jerked off onto it all the time. But because spooge was my nickname at the time. And you had a bunch of fancy stuff on it. Yeah. Including a piece of metal on the back. Yeah. Just a dumb piece of metal. I riveted it there in shop class. Riveted it. Yeah. Um, so, I remember Kurt got yeah. Kurt got the job because he was the projectionist at Burns Court, and it closed down. Right? Or then no, they fired him. It didn't close down. They he fired was, him. Yeah, they fired him. Why they fire him? He doesn't know. He went in one day and there was a box of his stuff. Oh shit! And they were like, "Peace, son." Maybe they found out that he actually didn't know how to 
threat a projector because that's what I remember. Oh, he, he and, did at that point. Us, oh, yeah, yeah. But when he got the job, he lied. Yeah, he's like, I could do that. And that was before we had iPhones where you could look up how to do stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He literally was just like, I could figure it out, and then he did. <laughs> like to this day, I could literally walk into any. Uh, projection booth that still has film and just thread whatever projector is there without yeah. having seen that kind of projector before. Yeah, yeah. Once you once you've done it for like two months straight, where that's all you're doing, you know, every day you go in, you have to thread a projector. And I did it for like ten years. Yeah, you, you, it, that's all you really need is like two months. Because I guarantee you, I was. I remember how long I was a projectionist at Burns Court for, but it was like three or four months. But I. I could do it in my sleep. In fact, I remember when it un, when it unspooled on on me one time, and they were like, you know, we need to call. I forget who it was, but the, the only they know how to do this. And I go, don't worry, I know how to do this. I've I've done it Probably before. Chris Klein, may have been him, but uh, they're like, uh, you know, and I was like, don't don't call them because whenever they come down from the office, it's just a pain in the ass. I was like, no, I've 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 fixed these over at uh, Oakmont with Steve before. I never had, but I just didn't want them to fucking bring anybody up. So the. The 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 fright of a them coming down and b having a bunch of people in in the lobby that want their money back mm-hmm. the fear of that lit a fire under my ass and within five minutes I had it fixed I had to do a little bit of slice splicing but I got it done mm-hmm. anyway the days of projection yeah it was an art man it was yeah now it's dead forever yeah except it certain niche places by the way are there people if you make it out to san francisco is there still such a thing as a projectionist union um it's the iatse it's the union i'm in really yeah they just have their own locals Uh, so Um, how much work does a projectionist get now that's in the union i don't know no idea but uh because it's becoming a specialized trade now i mean it always has been but now it's like there's just not a lot of it right um, I mean, you need it for things like uh, directors that shoot on film. Yeah. You need a projectionist to show the dailies. Like, uh, yeah. And it still happens. They shot Baby Driver on film. I, I stole one of the film canisters. Huh. And I say stole. I mean, it was left behind. It was empty. Yeah. But it had, like, information taped to it, like, what reel it was and everything. Um, but uh, there's also a theater in... Redwood, California, which is just about half an hour outside of San Francisco. It's called the Stanford. And they show classic movies, all with film projection. And with, like, before the movie, you don't get ads and shit. There's the red curtain. And there's literally a dude on a giant pipe organ playing music. Oh, wow. And when the movie starts, the dude and the pipe organ lower into the floor. Nice. And a trapdoor covers, and then the curtains come up. It's classic fucking awesome wow and the whole thing is like ornate and beautiful and they have like balcony seating and shit wow yeah I gotta, I gotta check that out before I die yeah I saw a couple of movies there um, movies it was a Fred Astaire Ginger Rogers movie um maybe you just saw the one. Oh, really I can't remember how great would it be to see Transformers with an organ playing and no actual original soundtrack and he ain't like they oh, just, just doing the score yeah uh, it wouldn't be great to see Transformers in any way, shape, or form. Yeah, well, it, it, I, mean, I mean, the potential to improve it, though. In- but hey, remember table reads? No. Hey, everybody, subscribe. Uh, that's it for this week. 
nice short little show for you. Uh, we'll be back next week, hopefully with uh, something longer. Um, but if we don't get around to recording something longer, we'll be back with another one of these short little bitches. Speed reads. Speed reads. Yeah. Say goodbye. Goodbye. This podcast was created by Sean McBee and produced by Ferris Wheelhouse. <laughs> Fuck. Cut to black.